This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. Find it now wherever you access your favorite podcasts. As the war in Ukraine continues, global coal prices are soaring. Naturally, there's money to be made. From the mines to the transport companies hauling this prized commodity hundreds of kilometers. But the sudden influx of trucks comes at a price, as the N2 highway near Pongola and other routes around Ulundi turn into dangerous death traps. Carte Blanche managing editor Anna Maria Fanikak speaks to presenter Masa Kekana, who saw the impact firsthand. Masa, tell us a bit about the coal truck story that you've been working on in recent weeks. So the coal truck story, it's interesting because it's multifaceted. It has to do with what we have now, which are 18 dead children. It has to do with the war in Russia and Ukraine. And it also has to do with South Africa's failing railway system. And because of this, what we're seeing is a high volume of trucks, coal trucks on the N2 delivering coal to Richards Bay. What's happening is that it's actually forcing a really bad situation. There's many people who I believe are at fault or should be taking accountability here. Of course, the truck drivers who were driving recklessly, but in particular, the truck operators, the business owners, because they're incentivizing them per load. So it's very multifaceted, but we bring it all together in a very beautiful carte blanche way of telling our stories. I'm so excited to share it because, you know, I really met some incredible people on this one. And it was really, really sad to tell as well, but so necessary. So did you speak to surrounding communities about how these accidents have impacted them? Yes, um, we spoke to different members of the community who were affected all by the exact same thing, whether it be farmers, whether it be ordinary residents, everybody is affected because it's a public road that is used by all of them. We spoke to um, farmers, we spoke to ordinary residents in the area who were all affected by this road. The farmer that we spoke to, his property actually bisects the N2. So he physically can hear the accidents when they happen. Sometimes they crash right outside of his property. And sometimes he is the first person on scene. And I mean, you can just only imagine some of the horrific stuff he's seen from decapitated bodies to, and I won't go into the gory details, but it's really, really, it's sad. Um, we spoke to members of the community who've been asking for help for years to say that before the increase of the trucks came, there was already an issue on that road. It was already a deadly road ignored until this tragedy happened um, on the 16th of September. Which is where your story begins. But why focus on these specific roads, Masa, the N2 and the R34? Aren't these kinds of accidents happening elsewhere in the country as well? They are happening on a horrific scale, on a much larger scale on those roads, because those roads in particular are being used by the coal trucks, that is their routes. And having roads that were built for, you know, a certain number of cars, and now we've got an extra load of heavy, heavy machinery trucks. And the speed at which these guys travel is scary. You know, it, it's scary. We were on the into where it actually happened, this accident. And when you see that this driver, the truck driver, was going so fast downhill onto oncoming traffic. And the minibus taxi that those kids were in went underneath 
that taxi, that truck. I mean, I mean, yes, accidents happen everywhere, but I mean, this kind of horrifying way and at the frequency that it's happening, you know, and since then, there's still been accidents. So it cannot be, you know, just, oh, it's just another deadly road. It is insanely dangerous. Did you get a sense in the area why there's suddenly so many trucks on that road? Yes. Um, definitely has to do with what we see happening in Ukraine. And because of the increase in demand for coal around the world, everybody has gotten into this coal industry. And everybody who we spoke to said, look, it was really problematic, but we saw it getting exceptionally worse around about February. Now we know that's when the Russia-Ukraine war started simmering and it started. And as soon as that started, it actually had a direct effect on us. The rail system you mentioned has been stripped bare. Did you get an indication that the government might be trying to address this issue? I got an indication that the government talks about addressing the issue. I didn't get an indication or a sense at all that they are actually doing something about it. What was also, it left a very sour taste in my mouth, was finding out that government officials arrived to meet the family members of the deceased children, and they came hours late disrespecting their time once again. And not only did they do that, they came with a large entourage of law enforcement, the very law enforcement that these community members have been begging for, to say, if you just had a little bit of law enforcement on this road, on some police visibility, these tracking guides would not disobey the law as much as they do. They know they can get away with it. So that, for me, also told me that they really don't get the sense they didn't read the room. And then, of course, we had some officials arriving in a helicopter and not actually using that road properly. So I think that gives us our answer in terms of implementation of a plan. But yes, talks of a plan are certainly there. Having worked on the story now um, and understanding the bigger drivers, looking at the individual drivers, is it a case of reckless driving, tired behind the wheel? What stories did you pick up? It's a case of multiple reasons. So yes certainly a case of reckless driving. It's a case of tiredness. It's a case of a lot of pressure also being put on these drivers to have as many trips as possible. And they are incentivized per load. So the more trips you make, the more money you make. And of course, that then drives them to drive as recklessly as they do. Is it an excuse? I don't know. We'll leave it up to our viewers. Nasa, having been in the field, uh, what was the more memorable moment for you while working on the story? I interviewed the mother of three children who passed away. She lost all her children in this accident. She had a 10-year-old son and twin girls who were about five, six years old. It was her and her father who we spoke to, so that the kid's grandfather. And there was a time when we sat there I mean, speaking to a mom who's lost all her children, I cannot fathom what she's going through and how she had the strength to speak and speak so elegantly, you know, in this darkness and the misery. But it was the grandfather who particularly moved me, I must say. He said something so impactful. He asked, he said, we've been asking the government to do something about this road. We've been asking for extra law enforcement. And instead, what has happened is my children and my grandchildren have passed away. And what's going to happen is I'm going to die on that road too. 
Now, when he put it like that, he's basically saying, I don't believe, I don't have trust that something is going to be done. I think they've just come here for show, which is what he said. And we're going to continue living in this deadly trap. It's a trap that he said is almost inevitable for him that he will land up dying on that road. He really was strong and rightfully and justifiably angry. He was very angry. Whereas the mother, I guess, has lost all her energy. And when she spoke about not having that, how was your day chat with her kids at the end of the day, she said it's pretty much driving her insane. So those two people, you know, we do stories that are incredible all the time in all kinds of ways. And some people really, really move you. Everybody touches you. And there are people where you'll just never forget them. I think that mom and granddad, for me, it was one of those moments. After that interview, everybody on set burst into tears, basically. So counterintuitively, you know, with uh, you know, all the carnage on the roads and also the global demand, you know, to reduce uh, reliance on coal, coal remains big business. Um, do you think it's becoming even bigger? And from what you've seen, can we afford it? From what I've seen, it is becoming big, big business. I mean, there are so many of these trucks, but also not a clear plan about the railway system. There's a plan about enlarging and extending the road, which doesn't necessarily fix the problem because there'll still be lawlessness on the road. But it's definitely big business. You know, there's a lot of talk about moving away from coal. But what I saw with my own two eyes on the ground, uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Thank you very much, Marcel. Thank you very much. Awesome chatting. We love sharing these unique and eye-opening stories with you. If you have friends and family living overseas, they can also join in on the Carte Blanche conversation. Tell them to find Carte Blanche, the podcast, now on all major podcast platforms.